believe me. I'm well aware. Hey, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming to another Surf and Sales bonfire session. Uh, right off the heels of our event in November, we uh, can turn that off. Scott, I'm going to make you co-host all that stuff since we're running behind. Uh, we are having an amazing time uh, with our next set of events. He, uh, There we go. Turn off that, Scott. Turn off the sound. Wherever the hell, Scott, you go turn off the sound. You're better at that stuff than me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so thank you anyway. So we've, we've actually announced and we are running through, um, you know, we've sold out May for Surf and Sales. We're taking deposits for November of next year. Uh, it's a great spiff idea. Mr. Millen was there. We'll not talk a lot about how much he loved it, but I know he did. Uh, and we're super excited to have uh, our guest today. Before I introduce the guest, I uh, want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors of um, Vidyard, Outreach, Reprise, and of course, who our guests are today from Reggie.ai. We're going to talk all about sales and AI and whether or not we believe it's even working yet. So an informal poll uh, would love for people to go into the chat and just say, do you believe AI is working in sales yet? Um, yes or no, it's a pretty simple question. Not going to do fancy ones. Um, with that being said, let me introduce our two guests of honor. One is uh, Sri Sridhar, I hope I got that right, who is the brains and the beauty behind Reggie. <laughs> uh, so, and we have Matt Millen, also uh, of Reggie. Uh, both are co-founders. I believe, Matt, you're the president, and Sri, you're the uh, CEO, is it, if I remember correctly. Is that right? That's correct. So... So I think, I think the first question is, let everybody understand, just from a contextual standpoint, what is Reggie? What are you guys trying to solve? Where did it come from? And, and then I know you guys actually, even before that, before you answer that question, how did you guys meet? Because I know you had separate companies originally. So how did the two of you even connect? Well, before we jump in, you can see that we're fresh off our company holiday party this morning. Uh, I didn't get ugly a sweater, nor did three, uh, but we thought we'd bring the festive cheer forward into the bonfire session. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, have a little fun. So with that, uh, Sri and I met uh, earlier this year. Uh, I was actually doing some fundraising and I came across Sri and I'll let him tell his side of the uh, matchmaking. But, you know, I had a really great conversation. I was introduced to Sri. He was looking at personally investing inside of Reggie and then he had a bigger idea, Sri. Yeah, just thought uh, the two of us should uh, team up and uh, work together. So as simple as that, I was blown away by Matt. So um, I can give you guys my background just so that you know. I might be the only non-salesperson here. So uh, in terms of my background, I'm, I'm an engineer by training. Uh, I did a PhD in computer science from Carnegie Mellon, was... Um, uh, part of the search uh, team at uh, Google and first 100 engineers uh, off Facebook. Back and that's day. when Facebook was cool. That's right. <laughs> By the way, if I look over to my right, Matt's actually sitting right next to me, just so that you know. Um, yeah, so Facebook at the time was you know one floor. The entire company was one floor. Everybody was in, uh, there together, including Zuck. Um, after that, I did an AI marketing tech startup called Bloomreach, then did an AI supply chain startup called Renera, and then 
Uh, I knew I had to do something in the AI NLP space, and I can give you some background on why that's the case. And I was dabbling in, not sure what exactly that meant. And then I came across Matt, and then Matt had the product much more crystallized. So okay. yeah, we came together. So what? So so what? What pain is Reggie solving? Right, like help people understand that, so that we have context for the conversation. Yeah, and I'll do a, a 10 second backdrop to bring into perspective. So I am um, started selling in 1987. So if you're keeping a score at home, that's before email and the internet. And I've had a front row seat to the infusion of sales technology into the selling process, uh, leading national teams uh, for over 30 years. And, you know, just following on, like, how do we drive productivity to our front line? How do we take the accountability of having our teams win? And I was uh, leading business sales at T-Mobile when Outreach was prospecting me. And I was blown away uh, having been in a sequence and for the first time in my career being prospected so thoroughly. And when I finally responded back to one of the emails in the sequence, you know, the rep told me that they could increase my rep's productivity by 30%. And I said, look, if you can really do this, I'd be a fool not to listen. So Outreach came in, I got a chance to meet Manny and see the product. And I think it was 60 days later that I was leading the revenue team at Outreach, I led from five to 50 million and like solved a really big problem. At the same time, it created a new need in the marketplace. For the first time, like content at scale was required to fuel the sequences, to fuel cadences, uh, and, and not just build them out, but really start thinking much more strategically, like how do we start talking to the personas, the way they want to be spoken to, or what are the pain points, the value props that you need, and, and really start to think like, how do you drive rapport, relevance, and credibility at scale uh, through sequencing and cadencing? And at the time, there were very few options. Uh, you could insource it to somebody that would do it. You could outsource it to somebody. Uh, but we thought there was a better way. Like we thought that would be a technology first, uh, leveraging uh, all the data that we're bringing back from these platforms. Like how can we do it better? How can we leverage data and science to replace our, our habits and bias, which largely went into how we went about messaging. And even recently, like the data shifted from what we call performant data, like what's working, what's not, what can you do with it? to AI really coming to a, a place and a point in the market where AI can now get involved reliably. And we'll talk about how reliably, how much you should use it, where you should use it. Uh, but we've been infusing AI throughout our platform uh, throughout this year in terms of driving increased productivity, increased engagement. Uh, and so so how does that work though? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off, Matt, because you're yep. long-winded and people know me and they know I won't tolerate it. So um, so, so the pain you're solving is... What is content. the pain? Content. content. So you can... And how does the content, again, you know, does the content coming from marketing? Is it coming from website? Is it coming from um the market industry and data like gartners is it coming from the emails and phone calls you're making like or is it all of those things like is it getting sucked in how does that because at some point the data's got to get in the system right all right so the data the data can get in the system three ways uh reggie produces data at scale number two we have ai that writes data in the moment and three organizations 
oftentimes have content that they want to use, reports. Got it. Great snippets. So Reggie allows all three of those to exist at the same time and then build the sequences and cadences from that. Got it. And so where are we in the world, right? Like, as you think about AI just in sales, not even at this sort of top of the funnel place where, where you guys spend a lot of your time, not all of it, are, you know, you know, we, we ran a, an informal poll, right, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm going to say like 70 something percent of people just don't believe it's there. Like they still think AI is Grammarly, um, which is fine. Uh, some people think we're there. Where are we really based on your own experiences? Sure, happy to take that. So, um, so the way I look at it is um, the way some of the comments basically addressed it, which is we are on this, um, we are in a journey, right? So it's not right now something that is like purely AI or purely human. Um, right now, we are basically AI assisting humans. So let's push the efficiency and productivity as much as possible but we are on this journey together. That's not to say that the AI is bad or that's not to say that uh, humans are as fast as they can be, but this is always a journey together. The, the best uh, similarity I can think of are things like you know, autocomplete on Google, right? It's not like you're gonna say that I know what I'm searching for, I don't need autocomplete to help me search for what I'm looking for. You're not gonna turn off autocomplete because it's pretty useful. At the same time, uh, it's not like Google is doing the searches and just giving you the results once you land on Google search. So it's a journey that we are undertaking. And even if you look at autocomplete that Google does or Google Docs doing uh, writing or Microsoft now Outlook uh, helping you with com composing emails and so on, this is basically the journey that we're taking where it's assistance that we are providing and we're pushing it further and further. And as, as we progress on that journey, um, you know, it's, it's gonna get pretty interesting, but I don't think humans will ever be replaced by AI by any stretch of imagination. But I think the way in which humans can be more creative and productive is gonna change with AI. So what does that do to the role? Like, you know, so if I'm an SDR, right? Again, just sort of keeping it in this level of context and I'm using something like Reggie you know, we've already seen the evolution of the of the salesperson. You know, you're just going to have to be more tech savvy, right? You know, Matt and you and I came along. You know, emails didn't even count when you were doing prospecting. Like it was like emails don't count because we can't track it. Um, does you know what does that do to the to the person in the role in terms of their tech savviness? What are they going to be able to look for? Um, what are they going to tweak in terms of you know when they see something coming from AI before they send it to a prospect? So there's two things. On, on one level, nothing changes. So an SDR that's using a Reggie-generated sequence will be a Reggie-generated sequence that looks exactly like the sequence that was built the way they used to build them. On the other side of the coin, there's a series of AI-assisted applets that increase productivity, whether it's writing a cold email, uh, formulating a LinkedIn connection request, or a number of uh, topics or tasks that reps spend 21% of the week doing. So it can look the exact same, or we could pr provide increased productivity. Got it. And so there's a lot of naysayers, right? <laughs> there's a ton. Scott, I'm going to let you answer, ask some questions. I, I know for those who don't know, Scott's typically not the most tech savvy, so he's letting me ask all the questions. Uh, but what do we do with the naysayers? Like 70-something percent said, nope, I wouldn't trust it. I think that was the question I asked. Do you trust it? 
and there's no trust yet, you know, aside from trying it, what, what do we not know about AI, right? Other than the headlines and Elon Musk that we hear about. I'm happy to actually step back and give you some, some overview of it, because I think, you know, the, this was the reason why I decided last year to spend time in the space. Um, and maybe that's useful for people in general um, in terms of context. So the way things have evolved is, uh, you know, AI back in the day in the 70s and 80s existed uh, for a while, then it went dormant until 2010 or so, there was very little progress in AI in general. We had a lot of progress in what uh, people call as machine learning in that time period, which is a little bit different than uh, AI and happy to help um, uh, address that question if it's helpful. But uh, so that area of the field was pretty dormant. Uh, people may know this already. And then what happened is uh, Google pioneered um, something called deep neural nets, and then that significantly changed things. But even then it wasn't clear what, what that meant. Then uh, there's a documentary on Netflix that you can go watch if, you, if you're curious on AlphaGo and which is when first time we started playing Go better than humans could play. And so that was a clear difference. So that's no naysayers at that point, right? Because we basically had computers could not play Go. One fine day computers could beat everybody at Go. And uh, so that was basically the transition that happened. Once that happened, then we realized we could push that um, as much as we can, even within Go. So to the point like we, then it was straight up an engineering challenge to compress the amount of time it took to train and so on, which we're very good at. So that was, that was the shift in, uh, you know, in our understanding of AI and our application of AI, which is we could not play Go and suddenly we can play Go. And once you can play Go, now engineers just pound on that and push it to as much as you can. Exact same thing happened with image recognition. We could not do image recognition. We can do image recognition. Then people started pounding on it. Uh, engineers started pounding on the problem, pushing it as much as you can. Uh, same thing with, uh, with um, uh, now voice synthesis. Like we can now start uh, synthesizing voice. So can, I, can I pause you here for one second then? Yeah. Do you, so why right now are engineers pushing and pressing on AI for sales? What is, why is that happening now? Why is now that moment? Yeah, so basically um, right now is for the first time ever, we actually have the ability to write text. This did not exist two years back and I'm not joking at all. So OpenAI, and the only reason I decided to start this company is because, or spend time in the space is because OpenAI came out with this thing called GPT-3. Uh, which was revolutionary until that time, just like how you couldn't play Go and suddenly you can start playing Go. Exact same thing happened. You could not compose two sentences to save your life with computers to the point where you could now start writing paragraphs. And uh, that was a pretty uh, big transition that happened because of OpenAI. And so it sounds to me like you're saying it's here because engineering just like figured out how to do it rather than here's this business problem, like salespeople are expensive. So what can we do to get rid of them and save money? <laughs> I, I promise you, I promise you the 76%, the 76% that Richard's talking about in his poll, 
who say they don't trust it. I promise you a large swath of those people don't trust it because they just are worried that it's going to automate their job away. No, I genuinely also don't believe that it's going to automate their job away. I, I fundamentally don't believe that. Uh, by the way, this is not, and this may also be interesting for people to know because this is happening very, very fast. And I don't drink the Kool-Aid to be really honest. I have this uh, saying that says that the people who uh, don't use the piece of technology are the people who actually understand the piece of technology. So for the most part, I don't use any of this because I actually know their limitations. So when I actually say that this is coming, I really genuinely believe it's coming. Um, but um, yeah, so I think for the first time you can actually write text thanks to OpenAI. And so yeah, so that's the way I look at the problem. Happy to have Matt comment on the economics of uh, sales folks and so on. But I also genuinely don't believe that um, that it's going to take um, opportunity away from humans. But you can also look at one other project that's coming up, but it's coming to stay called uh, Copilot by GitHub. Uh, so it's not me saying like, look, I'm an engineer, I'm going to take salespeople's jobs away because Copilot of GitHub, it's mind blowing and it can write software. So, and I think it's coming. So it's not like I'm trying to say, Sipia is saying, I'm an engineer, you know, these things are going to take your jobs away because uh, Copilot's technically, if that's true, going to take my job away too. Um, and GitHub's Copilot, which is Microsoft's Copilot, it's mind blowing how much it has improved over the last one. It was not possible one year back, and it's going to be staple two years from now. Uh, like people are just like how people rely on autocomplete for Google, people are going to rely on Copilot to write code. It's going to stay. Uh, so I think change is coming that way. I think Mike had a question. Yeah, go Mike. Yeah, quick question. Uh, only recently did I have I heard from non-sellers, other people in my organization and elsewhere, that have said, "Hey, I know you've used." Sales loft outreach, etc. You've talked about cadences, cadences and sequences, and how big of a value those brought. I think I'm in a cadence. I'm. I think I'm in a sequence because they identify that they're in the thing. How soon until the AI? Uh, how do you keep the AI from making then AI generated sequence from all sounding the same? Like, now I'm. Yeah, so I'm, in a, I'm in an AI sequence from Reggie. How do, you, how do you keep that from happening? Uh, it's a good question. Um, Great question. And, uh, you know, so the whole part of this kind of AI that we're actually having, and the whole reason why Go was not possible and it's possible right now is that it actually, we had the hardest time mimicking what a human would do. And that was really the breakthrough. Um, because it's until then, like if you look at chess as an example, the way computers played chess was very different from the way humans played chess. Uh, we trained and I played competitively and uh, it, the, the way computers played chess is very different than how humans play chess. And we could build computers to beat uh, everybody in chess before we could in Go, but the biggest problem in Go is we could not figure out how to have uh, computers play Go uh, different than humans play and do better. Um, so then we just said, like, let's just figure out how to get computers to play like humans do. And, uh, and so I think the same thing will happen here as well, which is we're just going to help assist humans in being as close to human as possible and less in terms of as much of a sequence as possible in the longer term. So I think that's where it's going to go. 
But honestly, in the short term, I'm not really sure if it's such a bad thing to for people to know that they're in a sequence. Um, I don't know. That's my personal take. I'm sure. But in, ter in terms of like not feeling like you're in the same one, uh, a couple things. There's still a need for personalization. So like the way we think about content is we'll get you 70% of the way there. We want you to we want you to personalize that social proof. Uh, the AI is all contextual. You know, we have a uh, we have five. AI applets for LinkedIn, so connection request, email, et cetera. The AI is programmed with LinkedIn's best practices, but we create a workflow on the inputs. So Mike, if you wanted to connect with uh, someone else, like Alicia on this call, it's gonna capture specific information about you, the requester, the requestor, and then it's gonna to put together some commonality and actually write it, and it'll be very unique. Uh, contextual, unique, never plagiarized, so like how, how you start thinking about creating the workflows around the AI ensures it's not robotic. And that's one of the things that we've been preserving within our platform is thinking through the workflow that like the jobs to do that the people that will use Reggie have, and then how do we create relevant contextual content that's unique every time? Great question. Don't you think Mike, that it'll just be normalized? Like any, any message I get at this point, I'm like, oh, this is totally, AI assisted. I don't care how personalized it is. I'm, I'm like, oh, they definitely used like something. And so if every message is AI assisted, would your reaction be the same? Wouldn't it just be normalized? Yeah. And I think my point was it's taken, a, it's taken years for that to be normalized. So I feel as though the, the, the folks that are going to have the biggest benefit of this are the ones that adopt it the fastest because you nailed it. The market's yeah. not going to know, but you also, you also need a bigger sample size to have the AI be more powerful. So there's that. But this is all about right adoption up. curve. So you're exactly right. And if you take a look at the poll that Richard did, you've got early adopters that are much more familiar with what it can and can't do. Uh, you've got folks that haven't adopted yet because the organizations happen, but it's no different than anything in our technology stack today that we've seen adoption curves, early adopters, then when something's proven, you start to see rapid adoption until the point is it's in everybody's tech stack. Yeah. So how much are you seeing it, you know, how much are you seeing it reduce, right? Like, I, you know, Matt, maybe you know from your outreach days, right now, on average, how many touches does it take to get someone to even respond? I don't even know if that means get a meeting yet, but, you know, how many touches is it and are you seeing it? help in terms of reducing the number of touches or are you seeing it help that yeah it's up, buddy? Naked, but it's going to take longer you know it they're just more relevant yeah there's two forces at work right now so number one one force is that there's just more solicitation going on so there's more noise in everybody's marketplace as more and more teams are adopting engagement platforms and on the other the other force is that content's getting better uh, more precision. Most organizations are getting persona-based, problem-focused. So you're talking to the right person or the right thing, and you're credible. So you've got more volume and more people trying to cut through the noise at the same time. So roughly the number of steps, whether it's 17 to 19, depending, has been relatively the same, but you see two forces at work within that. Got it. Okay. What, um, what do you, how about coaching? Like, how does this you know, are we going to get lazy? 
<laughs> are we going to get really lazy with this? Um, and how do I use, you know, you know, when we talk about, you know, the outreaches who, or, or a gong where you have the voice recording and you can do the coaching, yeah. like, how does that apply in something like this? Well, wait a second. Is it, isn't it just lazy to rely on coaching if you could do something automated so the coaching wouldn't be needed? So wouldn't it just be lazy way, to leave the current model as it is? I think of coaching as doing your work with excellence. No, no laziness. Like coaching is doing your work with excellence. And what we see in modern sales organizations today is that there's data all over the tech stack to help optimize your activities, your conversions, your conversations. And then with Reggie in AI, and I'm sure other platforms will follow, for the first time, you can apply that same kind of analysis to the content performance. So you've got activity performance, you've got conversation performance. And with Reggie, we can start to analyze the performance of specific content. So you can fine tune your messaging for higher engagement over time. So when do you think it will cross the chasm? When will everybody be like, fuck yeah, I need this. I mean, I know you want it immediately, right? Like you know, <laughs> last week would have been ideal for you. So, uh, so one quick point to address Jason's uh, comment from the chat um, is, by the way, the way Matt coined the name Reggie is uh, from a recommendation engine. So uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. So the, the name Reggie was basically for recommendation engine. Um, so in some sense, uh, absolutely agree with you. That's, that's, that's the origin of the entire company. Um, so in terms of crossing the uh, chasm, um, Look, the way I see it is that's exactly what happened to me, right? Because you look at these things and uh, and you basically see that transition happen and then you're like, wow, okay, this is much further along than I thought it was. And whether that is playing Go or whether that is um, writing text, it's the same. So the minute that I saw GPT-3 come out, uh, it, it, it changed the game point. And so it's a lot of these things is just trial to see where it is. And once people start seeing it, and same with GitHub's Copilot, like once you see it, then you're like, wait, this is doing a lot more than I thought it's doing. And if it can do so much, then I now see the potential of what it can do because that's an engineering challenge. So think of it as a difference between, you know, a science challenge and an engineering challenge. The ability to play Go was a science challenge until it became an engineering challenge. And then engineers know how to push it to, get everything that you can. So it's the same thing that I see. Once I see that, wait, I can write these things, then now it's just a question of making sure that it solves the problem that you have. It's no longer a technology thing. It's more people coming together, building the product out, pushing it, iterating on it, just making sure that it solves the problem that they have. But I would encourage people to uh, either try any of our AI assistant tools or just go to OpenAI. It's right now, I think, open beta. We had private beta access for a long time. Um, but once you see it, I think I think you'll understand where it is. I'm not saying that it's there to the point where you know you don't need humans in the loop, or I don't think it's going to get there. But once you experience it, you sort of will know that how much that is already and where you can see it go from here on. Cool. I wouldn't have said this one year back. This would have been sort of impossible two years back. I know Michael's got a question. I know it's in the chat, but Michael, I want to just create some uh, engagement for folks. Go ahead and 
shoot. Yeah, sure. Um, so guys, it, it, this is all great. I, you can read the question in the text, I'm paraphrasing, but w- what's been covered here so far is I've heard three, four, five different use cases that all may be very viable, which is great. Having run sales organizations for years, the more the better, if it can ultimately get us you know, more productive and, and more profitable faster. What would really be the one big long tail of the market that you think is the slam dunk that every sales organization can use, have near immediate ROI, show a quick return internally, be able to then invest more, and then you can grow relationships by selling additional use cases, additional licenses, et cetera. But where's the real immediate bang that you think your company can just crush today, no questions asked, and we can all benefit from? Yeah, that was so not a loaded question, by the way. No, that was not part of your range. So our, our, our premier feature is the sequence or cadence builder. So you know, any company in minutes that's struggling with content, and not all companies struggle with content, but companies that are struggling with building out what, what do I do and when do I do it, like Reggie out of the box will do that. It provides the ability to test at scale, precision, content refresh, amongst other things. So, so this can save any company, regardless of how good or not they are with content, hours per sequence, and then the ability to run them and then start to analyze and optimize over time. So to answer your question, that's exactly right. And, and two, it's sequence creation. That's our bet, right? And we had to answer the exact same question, exact same question when we uh, started the company as founders. And uh, so the bet that we are making is on sequence creation. So everybody has to create sequences. Um, why not write have AI help write it. By the way, we only write 70% of it. Um, you know, you have to approve all the sequences, insert personalization, like a whole bunch of stuff on top of it. But um, but that's our bet. And once we nail that workflow, we have two or three other workflows after that that we're going to go after. But okay, uh, we're right now just betting everything on the sequence creation side. So so thanks for that. Just a, a quick follow up, if you can. Scott likes to do this too. I mean, I'm a reasonably technical guy, but there are times that I need to like take the, you know, teach this to a kindergartner and, and we're working with fellow executives that don't understand technology at all. So the sequencer, walk me through a practical example of how you'd walk into an organization like you're doing a conference room pilot. What problem are you really solving and who benefits the most and, and how quickly? I just like the fact that you called Scott technical. So that was my. No, I said I'm actually reasonably technical. You joked that he's not. I'm not oh, yeah. that technical, but for a sales guy, uh, reasonably technical. So <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to take a stab, but Matt, uh, I'm happy to um, let you take a stab as well. So it's very simple. So, you know, there are lots of sequences people have to create. I mean, people gravitate towards cold outbound sequences, but that's just one kind. And even there you have persona-based cold outbound sequences where you can pick your department industry seniority and then create a sequence for them. And even there, pick value proposition pain points and then build a sequence. But then you have trigger-based sequences, somebody changes jobs, somebody gets funding, somebody gets acquired. Think of all the inbound sequences. Somebody just came on, on the website, had to download content, watch a video, uh, did a demo request, filled out a form. And then you have all the nurture sequences, close lost opportunities, you know, people who said, come back to me after a while. 
uh, people you met at a conference, conference invitations, you, you run a webinar like this one, there's webinar invitations that has to go out, then remind us for webinar attendees, and then post-webinar, here are the people that we actually met, here's, the, here's what we talked about, and here's the people that we did not get a chance to meet, and here's what happened. So every one of these things needs to, today needs to create a sequence. And so people probably create 10, 20% of that. So 80% of it is just people just drop on the floor because you just don't have the time, the bandwidth, the creativity to think through it and what just gets in the way. Uh, so your options are either to hope that there's somebody's part-time job who would take up all of those things or outsource it to someone. So we're just trying to help ask you a few simple questions. Okay, are you running a webinar? Let's say it's yes. Okay, so do you want to target it by persona? If so, here are the personas and if think points and value props. And here are four sequences that we just wrote based on your company and your descriptions for webinar invitations, um, um, webinar attendees, post, uh, post webinar emails. It's good to go. One click export it into outreach and put the lead list with the webinar attendees, send it to them. It's all done. So how do you, you know, th this will be a fun question. Which is going to be easier, Scott, convincing a sales leader to send someone to surf and sales in Costa Rica or convincing <laughs> them that they should be buying, you know, a, a AI platform for sales? How do you, so the real question is to, to Matt and, and Sri is, you know, you know, I, I know Mike, he's a client, so I know why he's here. I know his boss, but if I didn't know Mike and I was like, Mike, you know, you're coming to me with questions about this you know, you guys should take a look at this. Like, how do we get this kind of stuff approved, right? The stuff that's so forward thinking, you know, how do we make it go from the nice to haves to must haves? What are those pieces? And it could be about anything in AI and it could be, theoretically, it could be any tool, right? It doesn't have, I mean, yeah, we want it to be Reggie because you guys are here, but it could be anything. Like what, what is this leader who has to make the decision versus Mike who's managing the team or the actual reps who are using it need to understand? Well, Mike needs understanding his options. I mean, this, this is a problem that Mike has or doesn't, but if he does have it, he's been solving it and usually through human capital, whether or not someone in the organization is trying to get this done or they're going to outsource it. And when you're outsourcing it, you have long lead times, it's pretty expensive and you have very little control. What Reggie set out to do is to replace that with a technology platform. You have it all in-house, you have immediate time to value, uh, you can do as much or as little on it because we, you know, as much as you want the platform to do. But the point is we're providing Mike an option on a problem that he has or had and money that he's spending or needs to spend. So in many cases, it's not, hey, this is new as much as it is. It's a new way to solve an old problem. Do you guys find that, that you know, with this, it actually advances other information in terms of you know, oh, well, if this is what's getting people to respond, now we're going to give that information to marketing so they can start to leverage that. Exactly right. Or does, or does marketing resist it because they think it's too much salesy? Well, right? first of all, marketing loves this because for the first time, we have a platform that connects to what I call the voice of the business to your frontline execution. Because marketing can ensure that the right snippets, the right personas, like all the content that marketing wants your SDR team and AEs to be using for the first time has the ability to push right through into the sequence creation uh, because so often it's just broken, old content, old sequences. So number one, marketing tends to be a really big fan of this, um, you know, just in terms of connecting different parts of the organization through the platform itself. What have you gotten wrong? 
what what's gotten wrong about uh you know ai and this kind of stuff well so a couple of things so like you know the ai isn't perfect so for instance like in our subject line generator we'll kick out five or six subject lines at a time and you know two of them aren't going to be great uh, a couple will be okay and then a few are like holy crap i never would have thought of this so I think going back to this whole notion that, you know, like trust it 70%, use it 70% is like, you know, just set your expectation that not everything coming through the machine is awesome. Uh, but there's also uh, an input process or workflow where you can fine tune your inputs to start to generate better outputs, you know, in terms of what the AI is doing for you. So I think, you know, just level setting your expectation. I also think the big aha moment to your earlier question, Richard, is like as we're serving up the insights, Many leaders were looking at their sequences very, you know, different. So, oh, you know, we're getting 19% engagement. Well, actually, you're not because you're blending in, you know, meeting invites that have higher engagement rates. You're including follow-ups in, in different kinds of sequences. So when you peel out the cold outbound and really start to dive in how the cold outbound is performing or isn't, you're driving some really important insights back into changing messaging to increase it. outbound. You know, there's a whole lot of conversation going on, you know, in terms of the full cycle seller coming back. But I'll tell you, regardless if it's a full cycle seller, whether it's your AE, we're seeing going into 2022, more people inside the organization, more responsible for generating pipeline. And figuring out how to get the cold outbound right has never been more important. Wait, say that again. So you think more people are going to be responsible? What does that mean? So we're seeing AEs uh, that are going to get like, for instance, 20% of their pipeline, they need to self-generate next year. So it's going from, hey, it's nice to have AEs prospecting to we're going to start measuring the amount of pipeline that they're self-generating. We're seeing full Going cycle. back to full cycle, Richard. I know. I know. Yeah. You're convincing me, Scott. You're, There's you're... a lot of conversation about that right now. Yeah. Uh, but all of that really is putting uh, you know, outbound front and center. And, and it's of all the different workflows, it's the hardest one. So, you know, if I'm a seller, or I'm a leader, like if there's anything out there that can help us gain some competitive edge, we should be looking at it. Doesn't mean you need to buy it. Doesn't mean you need to integrate it, but you should be looking at it and whether or not it's right for you. We, we have an accountability to our team to figure out like what can help them win more. Yeah. So what, a, a good question uh, came in direct to me, which was, so how do you, if you've got AI, how are you trying to measure against benchmarks? And for those who aren't there, right? Their company's too small. They, they're, you know, they're, they're not willing to, you know, spend the money. What about when it's not AI? Like what are the benchmarks you're trying to measure against uh, in, in leadership? You have a question? Mm, can you rephrase the question? Yeah, yeah I can recreate it. So, um, you know, what should you optimize towards in terms of industry benchmarks, if that makes sense. Are you optimizing for open rates? Are you optimizing for reply rates? Are you optimizing for both? You know, are you trying to find the, hey, okay, this is good open, this is good reply. That means the trend is here. Like, what am I really trying to optimize for? Which you could use AI for or not use AI. So I'm trying to just sort of give, you know, for folks who can't yeah. use AI yet, like what should they be looking at? In our case, what we want to make sure is that, um, first of all, at the highest level, 
people book more meetings, they get more revenue, right? Ultimately, if we're not impacting that, then none of this makes any difference. Um, now, the question is, how do you impact those metrics, right? So there are two ways in which you end up impacting that metrics. One is the reply rate itself, which will have a downstream effect to impact that metric. The other is reply, replies itself, because let's say that you previously had um, no resources to write a bunch of sequences, but you attend a webinar and then you know, that's the end of it because nobody actually has the time to put together a sequence to send it to the people who attended it. Uh, that's all wasted, um, wasted leads. So, so it's ultimately just meetings booked, um, ultimately conversions. And uh, downstream, I would say, is more replies than even reply rate because, um, or upstream, because you basically get the replies. Uh, you want to optimize the reply rate because you want to make sure that for the sequences that you're sending, you get as many replies as you can. But you may also want to create some sequences that if you had a full-time person in-house, that was their sole job, they would probably have done it. But now you can do it with the help of AI as well. I think Jason's got a great question. I'm going to go ahead and let him engage us with it. Yeah, sure. I guess it goes back to your point earlier in the poll, right? And I don't remember if I voted or not, but I'm kind of one of those people that don't necessarily trust AI or the factor of AI because I don't understand the technology that gets built into it. I think Reggie is a very low barrier AI entry to the market, right? I can, it's tangible. I can see it. It's a recommendation. It's low risk to probably in most cases to send this, right? Because it's, it's a one-off piece of communication. I can edit it if I like it, right? But there's a lot of AI out there that is way on the other end of the spectrum. Like it's saying directionally, you should completely pivot where your car is pointing and go that way. Right. And so like, where, where is the line today for non-tech savvy folks and what, what do you feel is believable and we should be trusting versus what is overreaching in, in the industry? I very strongly believe in uh, humans plus AI. And I don't mean it like I, I've already said, I very strongly believe in uh, AI assisting humans. Uh, but humans being the decision-making uh, force. Um, so anytime, so everything that I'm doing uh, has that paradigm and everything that I plan to do will have that paradigm. So I think that is the best way things work out. Now, if you said, uh, you know, can AI point you in a different direction? You know, it's, if it's like machine learning, some of it can, and that, uh, and we may not have enough time to, to go through it in, in details. But let's say that you have a very clear objective function, but very clear direction of what you want to do, and you want to optimize the hell out of that, then uh, uh, machine learning is good. And it, you, you can actually get that. Ads optimization to a certain extent is like that. Right? It's very clear. I'm Google or Microsoft. I need to do this ads optimization. That's one metric I care about how much money I make, which is the metric they care about, and you optimize the hell out of that, that's okay. And I think humans in the loop may even hurt there. But anything where um, it has even an ounce of creativity, um, I, I think AI assisting humans is the right way to think of it. Um, and that's not just because of the way technology is. I mean, you, you can look at self-driving cars, and that's into cars. You know, the amount of time it takes to uh, get a car to drive itself is, is just way too much investment. I think it may happen, but even there, it's very clear objective. But you've had so much progress until there that we're not going to throw away, right? Like everything from cruise control to adaptive cruise control to lane assist to lane departure warnings to 
Tesla uh, self-driving on highways and so on. So all of that will take all of that gains. And I think th that's the region we are in right now uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's a little bit like Waze. Like, why do we trust Waze, right? Or, yeah. or Apple Maps, right? And some of it, I think, is, Jason, to your point is, my, well, I don't know what you made this point, but it could just be name recognition, right? I trust Apple that they're smarter than me, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not that they don't, you know, unfortunately, Reggie's just not that well known around it yet. And when we hear everybody says they've got AI. So it's kind of like everybody used to say, you know, two years ago, it was like, well, we've got the best algorithm. Like, come on. <laughs> well, that's why we well, that's why we think of it as a recommendation engine, not a have you have to do this. Yeah. I think Jason, like your skepticism is good, it's fair. Mm -hmm. So, like, think of AI helping you to think of options that you may not have considered, but in the end, you will make that decision. Yeah. But yeah, it, all the things uh, I've been blown away by the creativity of, of it, which is which is again what has changed in the last two years. Uh, like we were demoing it to U.S. Bank or something, and then one of the subject line credit says you can bank on us. And I asked them, like, is this what you know U.S. Bank's slogan is? And they were like, no, but maybe it should be. You know, it's like <laughs> things that you don't think of. It's pretty surprising how many times it lets you think of things that you didn't think of or you would not have thought of. And uh, that has changed in the last two years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And part of it is what data points are going into it, right? So you take Waze, for example, it's, it's crowdsourced data points, right? It, it knows where traffic is. It can provide a recommendation. Oh, there's traffic here. You should, you should go here. And so when I look at sales technology that has an AI component to it, right? I've seen everything from crowdsourced data points that then can provide recommendations on which deal cycles you should focus on because others have executed something similar, right? But I don't trust the data points because how do I know that those sales cycles are similar to mine from an ACV perspective, from a sales cycle duration perspective, right? And so it's a very hard question to ask as I'm trying to like articulate it. But again, I see Reggie as like a very low barrier to entry. Like you're providing content, right? You're providing words, something I can see. I like it. I don't like it. I think it matches. I don't think it matches. And so it's, I think it's how far the recommendation goes, right? Or but the, but to that analogy, Jason, like we're, so for instance, like we can see content performing by specific persona. So if there's a persona that you're going after, we have millions of emails of experience with that persona. So when we are making recommendations, it is based off and contextually relevant and accurate for you in that moment. Yeah. So that's where like, we're getting precise with the recommendation. Doesn't mean you have to use it. You can use a variant of it, but what Reggie will serve up to you, and it's why we think persona, pain point and value proposition are so important, is it's driving the relevancy and the credibility we need as we're reaching out to folks for the first time. Hey, Jason, I got a question. Do you, do you use a gong or a chorus or a, yep. any of those yet? Wingman? Yeah, we use gong. Um, right. Interact with it quite often. How do you, how do you trust it? How do you trust, when did you trust that, okay, gong's going to help me? Because it was pretty, you know, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily AI, although I think it's finally moving in that direction because they can do better predictions. But how long did it take you to be convinced that, okay, we're going to use this? So I see Gong as a better data tool for data points that I can't get, right? So it can serve up potentially where you're going to be stuck in a cycle. It, it, it provides me information that I don't have to rely on my rep for, right? It can pull in where am I single-threaded 
and I don't need to rely on a rep having Salesforce updated. I can see because it's tied into our calendar system and domains, what actual deals have a next step scheduled and aren't predicated upon a rep having that in Salesforce, right? So it's more of a real time data system than it is serving up things to me. And so I don't, I don't really see Gong as an AI tool yet. I, I think it might get there. And I know they said their summit a couple of weeks ago and they had some interesting things coming out, but where it sits today, or at least the way that I use it, it's not, I wouldn't consider it AI. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good, good, good point. Um, if people want to stick around, we're going to wrap up in a second, but someone asked for a live example of an intro email. So I'll do my little wrap up piece. If Matt and Sri want to um, try and pull one up and share a screen, I'm happy to let you show it. Um, and then the other thing we'll do too, is we'll turn it back to Sri and Matt in a minute after that. Uh, so if they can ask you guys questions, maybe they want to hear from you of like, you know, something that's going on. Uh, so anyway, so just as we wrap up the stuff, uh, obviously, thanks to our sponsors of Vidyard Outreach, um, Reprise, and of course, Reggie, if you don't know where to talk, how to find Matt and Sri at this point, then I don't know what you were doing here, uh, what you've been listening to. You've been looking at other shit on your computer. So um, that being said, can you guys show us an example of something? Is there something you can show, Sri or Matt? Yeah, happy through. Let me pull something up. Yeah, uh, yeah. people can chat to me. Yeah, that. well, and I just want to say this was super interactive. Really appreciate all the chat comments and what questions you want to ask this group, Matt. Like these, these are these are potential people that you know are interested in the kind of stuff you guys do. What do you want to hear from them? Yeah, I just love to know, like on a scale of one to 10, like how happy are you with the quality of the content that you're currently utilizing in your platforms today? Ooh, that's a good one. Like just, if you just chat me a number, just like in general, like, do you think you're doing your best work and you've nailed it? And I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I'm just more curious, like. Yeah. 60%. Yeah. I also find it interesting back to Jason's point too, that if we don't trust this, but we're going to trust theoretically people very early in their sales career, often 20 somethings to write emails that feels counterintuitive to me, right? Like, and that doesn't mean it can't be done. Like we all know some amazing SDRs, but it takes some time to learn that. Um, So it's, it's, it's an interesting part of the question that we didn't really, that we didn't talk about per se. So. Yeah. So Brian, that's a, you know, really big use case is, you know, turning hours into minutes. So thanks for sharing that. Sri, you ready to share your screen? Yeah, happy to try. Let me make sure you can. So who asked the question? Uh, I think Michael asked the, no, Brian asked the question. Someone joining late, but that's all right. We'll let him know. Brian, are you at Rubric? All right, can you, Sri, can you bring up your screen? You should be able to. Sure. I was just trying to see if Brian was at Rubrik or not, if that's the right person. So, um, at least from my LinkedIn stalking, it looked like um, it was Brian, but uh, at least he was at Rubrik. But um, so I just added in Rubrik as the company. So, this is something that can help you um, brainstorm uh, you know, pain points, as an example. So I just put in rubric. Ideally, you would want to do a lot longer descriptions, to be honest. Uh, I just grabbed something off of the website. I just grabbed it from right here. 
we can try a few other um, few other examples. Uh, and just for context, we're in one of the ten AI applets on the platform, and these are designed to shortcut productivity, whether it's creating pain points, writing cold emails, or some LinkedIn functions. So we are looking at basically um, trying to brainstorm things that you can do to write a pain point, right? Outdated backup solution, I'm guessing this is caught on from a from what I know of Rubrik. Um, you're currently using a legacy cloud back, backup solution. I think um, this is spot on. This is also, I think, spot on from what Rubrik is trying to do, which is uh, enterprises going from on-prem to cloud and trying to do uh, data backups better. Now, there are things that that's way off. Like you tend to overthink things. I wouldn't go with that. But uh, the whole idea here is, let's say that you like this and you want to do something um, with this pain point. Um, if you're like most companies, you're on a journey to cloud. So, uh, and then you can basically tweak it to say uh, whatever you think is, uh, is, is the right thing. So maybe I really can change this to most companies are transitioning uh, on-prem. What is your backup plan? As an example, right? So it's basically things that it may recommend, and then you can save save it. And the nice thing about it is uh, you can actually uh, um, ask for it, like you know, get it like ten more suggestions with a click of a button, and you get a whole bunch of. Uh, Whole bunch of new um, new things. If you want to scare people, you have your is your company's data at risk. Uh, trust rubric to do the right backup and so on. And you can also change your tone of voice to get a different output. But this this is an example of you know pushing the AI to the front to generate uh, some creativity and some options around the content. And you can literally just copy paste a new thing and. As everybody sees my many screens, um, you can change your content. You can change the targeting. I think I don't know. Does it? I guess you send sell rubric cells to um, DevOps or or so. Um, so then, where's the email? So then you take this, and then again, now we're going into demo mode, which I'm okay with. Yeah, people will look at it. So. Then it then it allows you to do all of these. So Does these are all like personal history for brainstorming things, and you can look through anything as you're brainstorming to try to save these things in here. Then you basically get into blocks, which is when you decide, okay, I've organized my thoughts in here. Now I need to put them inside blocks. So that goes in here. Now at this point, you should start chatting this across teams. So you sort of brainstormed it, shattered it across teams, and then you go into campaign builder to then use the pain points and value propositions and so on, uh, voices and sort of subject lines that they created to then stitch them together into a campaign. Um, and that's sort of the full blown ready campaign. Um, does that roughly make sense? So you sort of brainstorm your pain points and value propositions and so on um, separately in your own history, then transfer them into blocks so that you actually organize it across the team. Then you build your campaign to actually have uh, the whole campaign creation process. In the campaign creation process, we would actually just walk you through 
your inbound campaigns, our outbound campaigns, follow-up campaigns, all of these have touch patterns that are already set. Um, so you can actually go into these touch patterns. These will then pull from blocks to then stitch together your entire uh, email campaign, if that makes sense. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thank you, everybody. And again, thanks to all of our sponsors, particularly thanks to Reggie for, for showing up and doing this and uh, wearing some festivity gear that I didn't do. So, uh, but thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. And we will certainly see you next time. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, all. Happy holidays. <laughs>